This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, as well as our website, gbbpodcast.com. Welcome to another episode, everyone. Yahoo! I know, like, I guarantee you they're sitting around in the mornings and they, like, hit refresh on their podcast app and like, (gasps) a new episode! (laughs) And now you're here. So welcome. (laughs) Welcome in. (laughs) So we've already talked about, today we're talking about Gotham, Gotham by Gaslit. Yeah. Okay. So we've already had a show fully dedicated to Gotham by Gaslight, but Jamie got to attend an event recently called DC and DC, where he got to actually interview people in a panel setting. So we wanted to tack it on. This isn't one of our numbered full episodes, so this is going to be a an extra, if you will. So if you were surprised by seeing a episode in your feed today, that's what this is. So Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, you know, the little bit about the event and what you were there for. Okay. We dropped three episodes last week. If you're listening to this, you know, as we dro- as we released this one, it was last week. Or otherwise, just go back in our feed and you'll see them that they're there. Uh, we released three extra episodes about the DC and DC event. Um, I'm not going to go into it again here. Right. Um, you can go back and listen to those three, which I highly recommend you do. Um, but the event, that event kicked off on Friday night with a premiere screening of Batman Gotham by Gaslight, the animated film. Um, and Justin, I, I, we did do an episode on this already from New York Comic Con when I sat down last year um, with um, the director and the screenwriter and uh, producer and Bruce Tim. Um, but that was so far in advance of the film that even they hadn't really even seen it. And we were just kind of talking in a lot of generalities. And um, from this event, the DC and DC, we, these interviews take place before the screening. So you'll hear a couple of mentions of, I haven't even seen it yet, or I'm excited (laughs) to see what they've done with this Um, because we saw it. We were talking right before the screening, but then we all got to see the movie that night. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it was really good. Uh, It strays from the source material. So Gotham by Gaslight, if you don't know, um, it was really the first Elseworlds book. Uh, if you if you read DC in like the 90s or the early aughts, you know, Elseworlds was that um, brand of storytelling where they took your familiar characters and they threw them into these unbelievable or situations or past time periods or like Superman in ancient Greece or, you know, Batman is, you know, what was Red Sun? Batman is a, um, a, a Soviet weapon, you know. Gotham mm-hmm. by Gaslight was the very first one of these. It didn't even have an Elseworlds name brand or name on the cover um but it it basically reimagines batman in this steampunk victorian era where he's hunting jack the ripper um and it's it's a great story the film because the book is so short and the film is you know an hour to an hour and a half they expanded on the story uh they added in a lot of different characters who weren't in the book i wrote it all up um i can link to it in the in the article for this um i'll link to it i wrote for sci-fi wire a review of the of the the film um it the most surprising thing about it for me was that how it tackled sexism uh Mm -hmm. it tackled so it it really takes on sexism and you know quote-unquote toxic masculinity in a way that the book just didn't um and it was really good it's 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 a great film sort of start conversations i think um but it's also just even if you don't look at it on at that level it's just an entertaining and really good film um so a couple of the voices we i talked to there were five people there uh to support the film um two of these are familiar voices if you listen to our previous episode of of um of gotham by gaslight and so no offense to them but we're going to put them at the end of this episode because we've already heard from them. They yeah. do. We do say some different things. They do talk a little bit about the, the film and that they didn't beforehand. Um, but just because we've had them on the show talking about this very film before, um, we're going to put them at the end. But definitely mm-hmm. still go through and listen to them um, because far be it for me to tell you not to listen to Bruce Timm. Um, but we're going to put him toward the end of the show. <laughs> okay. So the, uh, as you may have gathered from the way the format works is Jamie's just going to introduce each person, uh, probably just say their name 
Yeah. You probably won't go into too much detail. No, I'll just say who they are and why they're there. (laughs) So that's what we'll do. And there's five of them. So just stick around. We'll fade in and out. You can put your feet up, relax, (laughs) you know, take a, take a sip of your drink, whatever you're doing right now. And, and let Jamie take you to Gotham by Gaslight panel. (laughs) So first up, um, and I have to say, this is a guy who has been on my list of I really, really want him on the show for a long time. Uh, we've got Bruce Greenwood. Now, I I adore him. Um, Bruce is the voice of Batman here. He's the, So he's Batman and Bruce Wayne. That's why he's here. Uh, you also probably know him from, oh, I don't know, take your pick of any movie or show. He's been in the, the rebooted Star Trek um he has been nowhere man which was like back from like 95 which i i love that show but it's sort of a forgotten show at this point um just do an imdb search you'll see him you'll know him you're like oh yeah of course he's got one of those voices that's just 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 amazing um so i was just thrilled to have him uh to be able to just sit next to him and get him here for this i'm really hoping we can get him on the show and do a one-on-one but bruce greenwood I heard you mention earlier that you haven't seen it yet. So. No, I'm my, my my heart's in my mouth, if, no, if not my foot. I was going to ask you that because you you've been around the block a few times. You, this is not your first performance at anything, so you still get nervous when. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. of course, yeah. It's always like you never know what take they used, and you never, you know, you feel something on the day. It's like if you write a piece. Yeah. You know, you write it, you pound it out, and think, oh, that feels great. You wake up in the morning, ooh, I'm going to edit. <laughs> right? And we don't get to do that. We just, yeah, we, we do it, and then somebody else edits it. And yeah. then you go, okay, thanks, or, you know. So what happens when you go from Young Justice Batman to now this Gotham by Gaslight Batman? How's the difference there? Well, I think the Young Justice um, Batman, somehow I dropped into a, a lower, a much lower register and I think that just kind of happened on the day when I went in the first time when we were searching for the voice you know and um, and so I and that kind of became a that's a that became the default timber for for that Batman and it might be you know for that show it might actually be a little heavy but but I, I, I don't know you know I don't know do you see them as the same character uh, related, mm-hmm. but no, not the same. I mean, Young Justice, the the depth of darkness is no is nowhere, nowhere near what it is in Under the Red Hood and in Gotham by Gaslight. That's it. That stuff. This is really dark. When you step into those shoes, though, or the cape and the cowl, as it will be, you know, like, how, what what are you thinking? Like, when when you first got the role, and you're thinking, like, this is a this is a character. It's like James Bond. It's it's one of these characters that so many people have done. How do you bring something new to that? Well, I was I was sort of shamefully ignorant of all the people that had done Batman before, and particularly of Kevin Conroy, and and um, so I was in a, in a way I was I was because I was blind in that way I didn't have I wasn't saddled with worrying about comparing myself. It was only when I got to Comic Con and people go, "We like Kevin a whole lot better." <laughs> <laughs> then you kind of went, "Oh." Okay, well, I guess I sh- what should I have done? Should I, have, you know? Uh, so, so when I did the first one under the red hood, it was um, I was blissfully ignorant. But that, if you could go back, would you have done, done it the same way, gone in blind, I guess, or would you have rather? No, no. I mean, of course not. Yeah. Um, it just came up very quickly. It was a call, and I, you know, went in the next day, kind of thing, and and. Um, Say you're kind of like comfortable with the role now. Like, if you ever got another call to play Batman, would you say I'm okay playing Batman? Like, more and more. Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel. I still feel like I haven't really hit it yet. You know what I mean? So, will you ever get to the point where you walk around and say I'm Batman? Today. <laughs> <laughs> In the privacy of my home, maybe. <laughs> Is that one of your warm-up routines? You just stare in the mirror. Yeah, my wife back. is really tired. Of it. <laughs> so between Under the Red Hood and this one, what were the two different challenges? Because it's always challenges between. Uh, the Red Hood was really violent. Oh yeah. And 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 it, and even when we were doing the reading, I was it was clear that it was going to be violent, but but it wasn't until I saw it put together. I went, oh man, this is. 
really, really rough. Yeah. And um, and I think that 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 sort of contributed to some teeth in the vocal performance. You know, so a little bit of a little bit of edge in the in the attitude. Yeah. You know. Like that's one of the most iconic animated movies. It's amazing. I was stunned when I saw it. I was just like, I was. I really wasn't ready for it. You know, I just gone in and done a Batman thing, you know, and, and then, yeah, I was, I'm not taking the kids to this. No, no. You talked about the fans before. When you do Batman, is it more of a okay? I want to make sure I stick to the source material more, or is it I need to make sure I sound the fans the way the fans want me to sound? Which, which how can you, how can you ever sound the way the fans want you to sound? Right, and that's that's kind you of know, the point. Yeah. You know, because you, you brought know, up Kevin. John Doe fan what? comes up and and then Jane Doe comes up and they're both saying well, you know they would have liked something. Right. They're both looking for something different, so you can't. No, you really try and try and please the director and Bruce and Gary and 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 I let them guide me more than anything, you know, because I because they're the pros. There's some actors who do not enjoy watching themselves on the screen yeah. in the roles that they perform. Do you have that same trepidation of hearing your yeah, own I voice when yeah. you watch, like, that's me, and I know where I was, and I can't really... Well, because this is, is so collaborative in that you're, I'm just doing the voice, there's so many other things happening. It's I'm sort of more looking for um, how do they all magically come together and how do they use my, my you know... Little contribution, really. There's so much more going on than um, so many more people contributing than than there are even in the uh, with a with a, a movie with actors in real time. You know, that's a and that's a that's a horse made by committee too to some degree, right? Because you're not there for the editing process and you don't get to choose the takes you use, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, I. What was your question? compared his performance as Darth Vader as a special effect. He literally said it was like the steam coming off of a pile of manure. <laughs> it was an effect, and it was like everyone's like, "No, you know, you're the, you are Darth Vader." So at some point, you yeah, but if you have an image now. like if you have an image like that for yourself, I mean, that wouldn't be the first image I would choose for. <laughs> but it's but it's powerful though, right? But as funny as it is, it's still like there's some there's there's something ugly and there's something unpredictable and there's something offensive and there's something kind of um, appealing's the wrong word but that draws you toward it in its awfulness you know i mean he's got all that going on and his, but and his voice is just so crazy deep as a well you know, he sounds like the voice of God. <laughs> you know, if God could talk, it'd be, and he wouldn't be, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting that CNN is anywhere close to God. But is there a point when you're recording? It's like, I'm Batman. I'm like, you just zone in and say everything else. Oh, when you're in the when you're in the booth, yeah. You know, and you're not thinking about anybody else or anything else. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you could never you never even begin to approximate it, right? <laughs> no, you know, I usually I end up actually half the time taking my shirt off because it gets really, really, because it gets hot, you know, and the shirt gets noisy and stuff, and, and I just, I'm, I've done that for, in looping and on the ADR stage for years and years and years, I just go, oh, fuck, take this shit off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how you break yeah. the internet right there. <laughs> right. Well done. Right. So you did a yeah. great job in jail. I noticed. Oh, thank you, thank you. I loved your performance. Oh, thanks a lot. Oh, really? Really? That's just what you want to hear. Yeah. Segue to it, but like, what is your favorite character you've ever played, and why? 
Gerald's game was really fun. Yeah, like he used so many different dimensions to that. It was really fun, yeah. And Carla and I got along great, and we're <laughs> great friends now as a result. And, um, there have been a few. Um, like JFK was really fun. And doing um, Robert McNamara in the post that's out right now, that was, that was really fun. And doing um, another president... Um, in Kingsman 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was fun. that was really fun. You know? Great big stupid hairdo and a big old southern accent, right? You know? Do you wish more people asked you about Nowhere Man? A lot of people do, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it comes up all the time. And I could sit and talk with you for like an hour just about Nowhere Man. Well, my first question about Nowhere Man is like, if the guy's on the run, why did he have all that hair? <laughs> <laughs> and I said to the I said to the producers, you know, when I said to the producers, I asked that question after the pilot. I said, the guy's he's he's on the lamb. Is yeah. he's trying to lay low? I got to cut my hair. And he goes, no, it tests well. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. okay? That's funny. Let's go. Let I'm on the run. Let it flow. So as long for pulling up your IMDb IMDb page, let's talk about Star Trek for a couple minutes. So. If yeah. if mm. Batman walks into Starfleet, how does that go? Oh, the fur is gonna fly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if Batman walks up to Pike, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess Pike would just go take off the stupid suit, <laughs> and then Batman would grab him by the throat and shake, him, <laughs> shake the life out of him. You've been in, you've been Batman, you know. Like, is it, is it, is it more than just a job? Like, can you still be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, that's, I was. In oh yeah, Trek. yeah, because it, because, because so many people bounce off it, right? Yeah. So many, yes, because it means so much to so many people. You just go, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend this isn't something. Yeah. You know, I can't pretend it isn't something because people come up all the time and and yeah. go, I just love the movie or yeah, you know, whatever, like we're doing. Right, yeah, and I care about those yeah. characters and, uh, yeah. No, it ain't just a job. No, not at all. It's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I don't think I don't know how it could be for. Anyway, no, it isn't. Okay. And this is just random, but I know that Young Justice season three is coming out. It's coming up on the DC streaming service. We're gonna see you again. Well, I'm trying to get back to do it. It's been really hard to with scheduling to because I'm working in Atlanta right now and doing this new series for Fox. So, um, and we've been trying to squirt me back there for a day to do it, but. <laughs> But it's been tricky. Yeah. Hey? This is true. That's right. Wait a second. <laughs> Do you want to be my publicist? We'll talk offline. You weren't supposed to say that so loud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. You just never know who's over your shoulder. Comic-Con will not be the same. It's Gary all the time. All right, got one more question for him. Bring it back to this movie since that's what we're yeah. here for. When you want, when you, when people watch this movie, what do you want them to take away from it? Because this movie is very different from all the other ones that we've, that we've seen. Well, um, you really have to ask me that question later because I haven't seen it so um, what are you hoping to take away from it I'm hoping to be steeped in the period I'm really I'm really looking forward to the period aspect of it and the you know the steampunk of it all so I'm I can't wait to see what they did with that visually and orally you know and musically right I have no idea what to expect musically are they gonna are they invoking a period vibe, or are they doing a twist on the period thing, or what is it? Classic. I don't know what it's going to be. So exciting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Class, um, so would we be able to catch up with you after? Get your <laughs> feeling of the movie? I think like so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lots of actors like that. Too. Oh yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah, I find that's effective. Yeah. Yeah, I like being interviewed in the rain. If we can work that out, then. <laughs> <laughs> but I often, I, I will. 
So uh, I'll wait till it rains. So can we take this table outside then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You think that let us, you know? Yeah, yeah. knock yourself out. <laughs> might, get little, might get a little soggy on the tablecloth, but I think they'd be okay with it. It's fine with me. <laughs> what time does the movie unspool? I don't even know. 7.30? Oh, well, we got 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we have 40 minutes. You know I think he's got something planned to do. We don't want to get ready. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm happy to yak away until I'm dragged away. So what are we? <laughs> We're really fun. Everybody else is up uh, enjoying themselves. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> you want me to stop enjoying myself? Am I? <laughs> if you have freaking questions asked. Yeah, okay, a few more questions if you got any. Yeah. I, I, so, well, I thought all these questions were kind of pertinent. <laughs> well, uh, as the other Star, Star Trek fan here at the table, that was a question I did not want to bring up, be the first to bring up, but playing, you know, the Pike role is really turn that whole franchise around. I mean, people were skeptical about how Kirk or Spock, and I was like, how are they going to do Pike? Because he's oh, were you? Yes, because we know we know Spock. Yeah, yeah. We've seen Spock yeah, in a yeah. hundred different ways. We've seen, you know, there's a template for that. You know, yeah. Pike didn't have a template. That you had this pivotal role in there. That yeah, it was it was cool. Around, and so yeah. JJ yeah, called me and he goes. Um, I was in Toronto, I was doing this movie, and he called and he said, hey, I'd like you to, would you be interested in doing this? And I went, yeah, I, I certainly, I'd be, of course I'd be interested, yeah, can you send me a script? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I go, uh, okay, um, is there a script? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I go, okay, well, how do I, uh, when will I, how could I, what, what do you want to do? And he says, well, when you get back to L.A., we'll lock you in a room. <laughs> with the script <laughs> and then we'll have a discussion and I will the room still be locked <laughs> you know so I read it and uh, and there was literally a guard standing outside wow. wow that's how much but that's how much they care about not spoiling it yeah. right it's not it, it, that kind of that covetousness with the with the material is all about saving the surprise for the fans right it's yeah. their Really careful about it. And I photographed every page. <laughs> I read the script, and then we. How long do like how so you have to hold that over for a while? How does that work? Actually, I really want to know. I'm like really curious. How does that work? Oh, it's it's not easy because because people I've known my whole life go, come on, <laughs> Greeny, come on, man. What the fuck? Tell me. <laughs> I go, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can! <laughs> All right, so second, we've got Scott Patterson, uh, who is the voice of Police Commissioner James Gordon. So should we call you Commissioner Gordon or <laughs> Inspector Gordon? Because this is a little bit different, right? Uh, you can call me... Uh, it's both. <laughs> my middle name is Gordon. That's my mother's maiden name. There you so, go. so I'll respond to a Gordon. So what's it like playing this version of Gordon then? Well, I've never played any other version, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But um, it was fun. It was interesting. It was... You know, voiceover is challenging in that you don't have other actors to play against. Um... I got the role the day before, so I, I didn't have time to do any real research or read the book that this is based off of. Um, and uh, so I was relying completely on instinct and their guidance, which I think can be helpful in certain situations. I, 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 I think it was in this situation. I think if you overthink something and overprepare something, it can really come out as kind of... Uh, it never really gets out of the starting gate because you're still sort of in that mode, that research mode. Um, um, so it all worked out beautifully. It was fun. Is that something that you felt entering this comic book realm? Because I'm sure you've heard from so many other people, oh, comic book fans can be really picky. Is that something that you thought about and was not doing that research kind of freeing in a way, you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. As I stated, um, at this point in my career, I have enough confidence in my ability to sort of adjust on the fly. Um, nervousness doesn't enter into it anymore. It's just really... Is this going to bore me, or will this will this interest me? Um, um, 
you know, I've done pretty well, and now I can kind of sit back and pick and choose. And I said, well, that, that seems interesting. And I didn't really give it a, a heck of a lot of thought. It was just like, I've never done that before. And it's Batman, that's kind of, you know, that appealed to the little kid in me. You know, I thought that's pretty cool. Um, and to be a part of it, I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. With working with other voice actors, I know y'all don't necessarily interact and do scenes together. You're no. Writing your own booth and in your own lane. But right. How fun was this? Like, being able to really express yourself and see other people. The fun, okay, so the fun part for me for this, the real enjoyment of it was that they allowed this sort of theatricality in the performance. Which is fun because if you work in film and television, it's it's very small, right? You work, and especially in film, you work really small. Hopefully, you don't say too much, but you emote and you act, and that's interesting, right? Television, it's all about this, you know, talking, talking. So you you know you go crazy talking all the time on TV. So, um, with it, and then there's that stage discipline where it's a bigger. It's, it's a bigger voice, it's, a, it's bigger movements, and it's all this bravura. So we, or I was given the opportunity to do that with this character because I was giving it my sort of film interpretation and what I thought they wanted, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> we, we, can, we can go much bigger. Just think of it like, you know, think of it like you're doing Shakespeare or something. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so that was very freeing. And it was fun, made it really fun. Made for a really fun day because you're just you know you're you know you're you're committing. You know you're, it's like yeah it's like it's like full on. It's like this isn't scrimmage. This is the real thing, man. It's like full pads and you're going. So it was it was fun. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't know what the character looked like. I didn't see the character. I did not see the character. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I'm telling you, really good art is collaborative, I think. You know, because it's like, let people do their jobs. Let's put it together. Somebody's going to put it together, and, you know, maybe half the time they're going to get it wrong and it's going to stink. But, you know, that other half, it's like. When, you, when you've got, like, a Batman story, a superhero story, the tendency, I think when the story is getting written is that to focus on Batman or maybe Robin and the villain and this, the supporting cast maybe sometimes gets short shrift. So what did you want to bring to that performance to make people remember that character and to say like, hey, that, that was really good. You know? I don't think of it in such a macro way. I don't, I don't give an overview. All, I'm, all I want to do in the booth is do what I'm supposed, what I'm hired to do. Okay. So they're telling me, they're giving me like, okay, your pitch is here, your intensity's here. Let's bring it here. Yeah. Let's try that. Okay, now you've done that. Let's do that. It's just. It's, so you're thinking it's, it's just your puzzle piece. It's, exactly, it's small technical problems okay. that have to be solved, and that's it. That's yeah. all it is. It's not even. It's not because I trust them, right? They're yeah. the architects. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. I'm just there, which is why I now have my own company, because I'm the boss. Um, <laughs> you know, being an employee has its uh, advantages, but you know, being told what to do all the time can get a little tedious. Being the boss is better. Being the boss is, well, yeah, yes and no, but okay, so that's really all it is. You're there to serve, you're, you're to serve the, the architect. You know, like, do it this way, do it that way, a little more here and there. So when you finally see the finished film or the finished product, whatever it is, do you still see the little pieces or is that finally when you see the whole picture? Or do you still break it apart into pieces because that's where yeah, you're coming both, from? Yeah, both, right. Yeah, you're anal analyzing and you're going, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I had a better take. It. Yeah, it's, 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 that's why I don't see my own stuff. Yeah. Because you're always disappointed. And here's something that's really true. Your best work will never make it on screen. So the great work that you do see, just imagine what you're not seeing from the Merle Streets or the Dustin Hoffmans of the world. Their best stuff never made it because somebody walked through the shot or somebody dropped something or somebody you know cut a fart or whatever. <laughs> oh, we gotta go again. Can't use it. Sorry. Had you, you know, I had some tacos. You know, um, and that's so true because so many times. Even during this, 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm old enough now and, and weathered enough now and, uh, as a veteran actor to know that I'm going to go into a situation and, and my best take, I'll know that's not going to make it. And I'll just wait because I'll nail something and then I'll nail it again and nail it again. And then I'll just sit back and go, here we go. Sorry guys, we gotta go again. I didn't quite get that. We didn't have any film in the camera. We didn't, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it won't make it. So, two minutes ago you just said I trust them, yeah. the producers and the writers and the directors. Yeah. So how do you how do you walk that line between knowing that between trusting them to put your because that's being that's being a professional. Yeah. Knowing that. Ev all of us are fallible, and and it's Murphy's law. Anything that's gonna go can go wrong will go wrong, and especially on a on a on a set. I mean, there's so much to do, and it's such a balancing act. It has to go wrong. It just happens to go wrong when you're so right, and that's that's why I hate replay in baseball. It's like sometimes it goes wrong, but you gotta deal with it. You know, it's like can you imagine having? Wait a minute. No, I nailed it. You you guys get fired. Sorry, you know. No, it's that's just how life is. So you deal with it. Does that make you then want to work with certain people more because you know, okay, they're going to bring out the best in me or is there something nice about walking in and saying I've never worked with this person before. Let's see how this goes. Right. That's interesting. That's interesting. And hopefully it goes well because you're more open to it. Um Yeah, I mean, there have been times and and look, you can be having a great time with the director and they're leading you down the wrong path and you don't know it. True. True. And then you see what you did and you're like, oh God. And then there have been times when you're working with a director and you really are opposing something or an interpretation. You said, no, I want to do it this way. And then you see it and you go, oh God. <laughs> so like, which is the case on this one? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't yeah. seen it at all? No. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't like to see my stuff. Are you going to watch it tonight? I'm forced to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or are you just going to go to the bathroom for a really long time? I, you know, I tell you, I, if I can sneak into the green room and you know, text, you know, I'll do it. But I don't know. I, I think, look, this is fun. Um, and when I was a kid growing up, you know, we, we weren't allowed to watch Batman because it was on at 8 o'clock or... 8.30 and we passed our bedtime and it's just, you know, goofy Bruce Wayne, you know um, and now that it's become a film franchise, you know, it, it addresses these sort of darker aspects of the character and you know, these goth, giving these, these goth elements and I think that's pretty interesting that's, that's the really interesting part for me why do people love a character that's so wealthy <laughs> he, that's not a likable person. He's remote. He's wealthy. He's he's arrogant. You know, he, sure he gives, and I think that was a. Uh, I, I, I'm not really. Uh, um, I mean, I'm not knowledgeable enough about the comic book series to know that he was a. Uh, uh, he was a philanthropist, and but he must have been, because it's really the only way to tolerate a character like this. I mean, if if he's going to be rich and arrogant, he'd better be like. <laughs> but here's the more interesting part: a depressive, an outsider, because then that draws us into him, and that's powerful, because it plays within. You know, it's the there's the conflict within us, and it's not it's not so much a jealousy thing. It's like a, an envy. But it's psychological. I think it's a fascinating character, just fascinating dark character that we, that we're drawn to. Yet he's super wealthy and powerful. And they made him relatable. It's remarkable achievement, I think, in in, in drawing a character. That's fascinating. Yeah. He could easily go tilted villain. Yeah. And yes. Yes. It's it's beautiful. It's it's perfect. He's a perfect character. Perfect character. Do you think there's a fascination in his interactions with Gordon and how that relationship is then as well? Because you've got the cop over here and the vigilante over here and how that's kind of tolerated then? I think that's the distinction in this iteration, is that he's dealing with that, that vigilante aspect of it. Um, I'm very limited in terms of what I can say. <laughs> but, so I'll, I'll say that. Um, um, 
Um, yeah, and that's that's all I can really say. So, I got to be careful. One more question. Unless you haven't got it. You said Batman's a perfect character. What's an, what are other perfect characters in your estimation? <clears throat> in comic books? Anywhere. Characters. Perfect characters. Well, they're definitely flawed. Um, but I think as far as... Okay, what's the goal of a writer? And therefore, what's the goal of a studio that wants people to... Any playwright or screenwriter, what, what is your job as a person who's creating characters? It's to get people to lean in. It's to get people to participate. Not observe. It's a different. There's a difference. So, and I've written a bunch of screenplays, and it's hard. You sort of get expositional, and you, you get, you know, you think you're being fascinating, and you're just shit out of people with these long. You know, it's like, huh. how do you get them to do this and feel like they're a part of it? Um, I think you do it situationally, okay? It's, it's structure. It's a lot of structure. It's far more complex than we have time to, to talk about. Um, but I think in terms of just character, um, the flaws need to be believable. They need to be universal, even though they can be enhanced, especially in his case, in Batman's case. Um, there has to be a real humanity attached to the whole thing. And, th and there has to be tragic uh, proportions. It has to be of tra tragic proportions. Not that it has to be some grandiose character. I mean, it can be a, you know, it can be, it can be um, uh, Irving, uh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman's character in the, um, the John Voight film. What was it? What was it? Yes. It can be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it has to be that there for the grace of God go I. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Yuri Lowenthal, who is the voice of Harvey Dent. So this is kind of an world story. It's kind of yes. an out in continuity thing. You did that with Justice League Gods and Monsters too. So what's yeah. it like to take a character like Harvey Dent and take him out of his normal context? I I love it. I uh, I'm a big fan of Elseworld stuff. As a matter of fact, I keep waiting for them to do the, do the Doom that came to Gotham because I'm a big Lovecraft fan as well. Um, but uh, it was I, I was already familiar with the source material, um, and I. I love being able because you get to break some rules, and you get to anger some fans, you know, and you get to you get to mess around a little bit and see where you can play within the you know within all the parameters and the context, but also break out a little bit here and there just to you know obviously in line with the characters what they what they would normally do, but um, but it was fun. This uh, and this is this is not a this is this is not nice guy Harvey Dent. So it was it's always fun because. I am a goody two-shoes in real life to, to play. That's why I love playing villains, because it, I, I get to do stuff that, that I wouldn't normally get to do. Yeah. Beyond the uh, graphic novel that it's based on, what did you look for? You know, I mean, did you bring about that voice, did you bring about that characterization? Did you look to any other books, any other else's creation? Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't really look to any other. I mean, I have a fair amount of knowledge of the character just from being a sure. nerd. Um, but uh, it, it, you know, always when I'm working on stuff like this, Especially when when it's in context of a uh, you know an iconic character that that I grew up with and that a lot of people grew up with, um, I have to go to you know the, the director and you know the, the producers, the people who are creating the project, and we it's a it's a conversation. It's a I know they cast me because of something that they saw. Now it's up to them to let me know what they kind of want. I'll, I'll bring whatever I've got, whatever ideas, and if I'm headed in one direction, you know that they know that that doesn't work with the project, that they'll push me back. And that, that that's exactly what happened with this one. And they said, they said you don't have to be nice on this one, <laughs> which, uh, as I said, is, it, can, it can be tough for me. But did you guys record together or separately? We recorded separately, which is always a bummer. I love recording. I love doing cast records. Now there may have been some other records where they had one or two actors in at a time. I know they recorded my dent stuff separately. Um, I always prefer to do cast records when I can. But they've got you know they've got some heavy hitters in this cast who 
we're always working on movies and stuff like that. And it's hard to yeah. to coordinate schedules and wrangle sure. people and get them all in the same room at the same time. So I mean, you're a professional. You're used to it by now. But how hard is that to get used to? Like, especially if you're having like a big emotional scene and you're yelling or something, and you're just you're yelling nothing, and to nobody is reacting to you. It's that... yeah. It's uh, you know, if I if I could ever, I'm glad they don't have mirrors in there because I would just <laughs> I'd stop this profession. Because if I ever see what I looked like when I was doing that, yeah. I'd be too self-conscious. Um, it's you know, it's an interesting challenge uh, because I come from the world of theater and on-camera stuff and then to, to have moved into voice acting where you don't have always other people to play off of and you don't have props and, you know, sets and things like that. Um, it is, but it's, it's an exciting act of imagination, which is something that, that I've always prized as my, 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 my most valuable weapon in my arsenal is my imagination. And, and as we grow up, you know, we're, we're told to, you know, as, as kids growing up, we're told to get rid of that stuff. Grow up, stop that but don't if i could if i could if there's any lesson that i could get out there it's it's don't it is and as actors and we also you know all the you know the high profile actors all you know uh, method actors and all you know all the actors you hear about always you know get in character and do it. i i feel that they steal all the all the spotlight whereas i think what an actor really needs is, is a really strong imagination and especially when you're voice acting because you've got to create all that stuff in the moment in front of you and in your head and so that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. For me. Imagination is a big one for me. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's well. That's why I put it in there. That's a, and I got a lot of that from um, from uh, Re, uh, Keith Johnstone did a, a book called Impro, which if, if you're into acting and you wanna, even if you're not into improv, you know itself, um, it is a great book about uh, about imagination and creating characters and creating a world. And that's I remember reading that and going, yes, that is that is so important. But thank you for having read the book, <laughs> which is available on. <laughs> which is available on Amazon. Yeah. Well, we're actually my wife and I just finished um, writing the updated edition. Really? Yeah. So because so much has changed in yeah. uh, like eight years since we since we did the book, that um, there's a lot more on like performance capture and motion capture and you know recording it for that for video games and so on that uh, we felt it would be remiss if we didn't update it. So so that'll be coming out hopefully in the spring. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, like, based on your acting like, prowess and what you are interested in, what other character would you be interested in tackling that? Batman. <laughs> no, I know. Here's the funny thing. Here's, here's, okay, okay. No, that's a, that's a, that's a good call. It would. Now, obviously, I don't have a voice that screams Batman, uh, which is why I've played Robin so many times. Um, but uh, uh, I love. I mean, I'm such a huge fan of of Batman, and everybody loves the Joker. And here's here's the thing. I always get audition, you know, always when I see those auditions come up, mm -hmm. I always send a read in, even though I know I'm not, I don't let, my voice doesn't lend itself towards Batman or necessarily the Joker. I will always read for it because it's always so much fun because I love it so much. But because I love those characters so much, I usually get nervous probably in my audition and they can smell it. Um, but I will, I mean, those are some of my favorite uh, characters. I, you know, this job has been great because I've gotten to play some of those characters that I love growing up with. And I love the, I love, love the smaller off the beaten track here. Like like I got to play Mr. Miracle for you know an opening for Batman Brave and the Bold once you know, and I was like, I was so excited going in there. They're like, what's you know what's wrong with you? <laughs> this is literally. I'm like, yeah, I know, but Scott Free and you know, and, and you got to shut up about that stuff sometimes. Um, and then once when we when they were doing a Dark Knight Returns, I got to play a son of the Batman in there, and I, I brought in on my uh, on the day that I came to record. I said Andrea Romano, who was you know was doing the, the directing, and uh, Bruce Tim was there, and I said, guys, I want to, I want to, I'm going to show you in one photo why Andrea Romano is is brilliant at what she does and why I'm so happy to be here today. And I showed them a picture from me in high school when all my friends went to see the Tim Burton Batman, um, but we had all just read Dark Knight and we didn't know it was up. So we all showed up at the theater in like trench coats with bats painted on our faces <laughs> and plastic shotguns, like it was another world, you know, back then. Um, but that's that's why I love my job. Sorry, we're getting one more question. Yeah, one more question. Thank you. So this is animation, so it might be a little bit different, but what's it like working in like the noir style and doing it that way? I, you know, I'm a huge fan of noir and alternate Victorian timeline stuff, and and while I find they're 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 both very very different, this you can go. Uh, my wife and I did an an alternate Victorian uh, short called uh, Topsy McGee versus the Sky Pirates. You can watch it on YouTube. I love that era stuff. I love steampunk stuff. And I'm a huge fan of noir um, and 1940s stuff. I'm working on a project to, you know, to produce in that vein. I love those movies. Um, I love that style. 
Uh, and I, I relish, I mean, that's one of the reasons I started doing this, is so I could play at those things that I love. So I'll always, I'll, you know, both, you know, two fists, I'll, I'll go in with that, yeah. Uh, thank you guys. Thank Hopefully you. I'll, I'll swing back around, thank yeah. You. All right, and now the two familiar voices, if you listen to our previous episode on Gotham by Gaslight, uh, executive producer Bruce Tim. Premiering it, letting the public yeah, finally see sometimes, it. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. This one, not so much. No. I'm, I'm just hoping it's. Well, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark. I mean, not not dark tonally. It's visually pretty dark. So I'm hoping when we when we screen things in a in a theater where it's not it wasn't calibrated to be projected, I'm a little nervous that it's going to be like too dark for people to see. But did you inspect hopefully. this setup here? Gary did, and he assures me it looks good. So okay. We'll see. <laughs> the projection. That the picture looks right good. Enough. That it's the Turn the brightness up, it. maybe. <laughs> okay. So who was the person who initially pitched it? I mean, this is one of the bigger Elseworlds like, mm-hmm. comics. And so like, who was the person who was like, we have to do this? Um, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it ever since we started doing these movies. It was one of the, the titles that's been on like our short list of you know, ones that we've wanted to do since like forever um, and uh, for whatever reason it, it never seemed like it was the appropriate time um, and it came up again because I mean, we we meet with um, the home video people and with DC Comics and, and Warner Bros. Animation we meet like a couple times a year just to kind of you know kind of see what's what we've got already got going and then what we're going to you know hopefully want to do down the line and uh, um, somehow or other it came up again it wasn't I don't know if it was any one person brought it up again but um, they suggested that uh, this time Home video, home video said, yeah, let's do it. It's like, okay, so here we go. Is this one of those instances where you do so many Batman stories that you sit down and you go, maybe it's time to do something different with the character? Um, th- that certainly played into it a little bit. I mean, that's definitely one of the appeals for the movie for me is, um, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with doing a modern-day Batman movie in modern-day Gotham City, but I've done a lot of them, you know, and I've done a lot of TV shows with it with that uh, that setting and with that character so um, getting to do a period piece specifically in this time period you know the late Victorian era um, because I'm, I'm like a big horror movie fan you know the universal horror movies and Hammer movies and um, things like Sweeney Todd and Jack the Ripper and you know Sherlock Holmes it's all kind of you know, it's stuff that I love, so it was just kind of fun to be able to, to, to go to a different place and build a different world, and Batman kind of fits into that world, like, really easily as well, so, I mean, the comic is so, it's so, it was, I remember when the comic first came out, I remember thinking, it's such a stupidly obvious idea, I'm surprised nobody's ever thought of it before, um, because, it, because it just works like a charm, so, um, so yeah, it's just, a, it, it was a, a real fun project, it was one that I was looking forward to doing for a long time. Well, in that same vein, what's it like pitting the world? greatest detective up against maybe one of the greatest murder <laughs> mysteries of all time yeah yeah well um, fortunately we didn't have to stick to the actual details of the Jack the Ripper murders I mean rip, hardcore ripperologists are gonna like they're, they're gonna <laughs> <laughs> well somebody was gonna I be mean, mad one I way mean, or the other put it this way if, if Star Wars fans thought that Last Jedi was, was divisive <laughs> ripperologists are gonna have a field day with this um <laughs> So, um, so having Batman solve the Jack the Ripper crime is a little bit easier than. I mean, yeah, I mean, the solution to the murder is not. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the Queen's nephew and the Rosicrucians and all those guys in on it. It's, it's nothing like that. But, um, but so yeah. But it, it definitely did give us a chance to have Batman be a little bit more of the, the detective. We don't often do that in the movies. You know, we have a tendency to kind of forget that he's a detective. So actually getting to see him like, you know, put two and two together and do some forensics and stuff is actually kind of fun. Um, and uh, again, because of the time period, we couldn't actually resist kind of throwing in a couple little nods to Sherlock Holmes as well. So, yeah. Is there a, I mean, you guys must have a long list of stories that, you know, are on the horizon or ones that you'd like to get to someday, but is there is there a particular story that you would love to do, but just for whatever reason, you don't think that'll ever get done? Um, you know, I've, I've learned to never say never because uh, there have been a lot of times in the past where I thought something was never ever going to happen again and then it happened. So, um, so not necessarily. Um, there's definitely stories out there that, um, that we love that we haven't gotten around to doing yet. Um, and some that, that maybe we, we may have a valid reason for not doing them, but that may change over time. So, um, it's kind of a vague answer. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> 
so since the killing joke, they took away the limitations as far as the rated R. Uh -huh. And now this is rated R, and like now you can do basically anything you want. So if you want to do Superman Red Sun, you can do that. Well, it's not as easy as that. I mean, y even though we cross that bar, it definitely it makes it definitely uh, gives us that presence that we can we can um, we can go forward with that occasionally. But it has to be appropriate for the part. I mean, for the for, for the for the comic. I mean, we we cleared this one in advance with DC Comics and with um, the people at Home Video um, when we first started doing it. We said, you know, there's a possibility that this one could go you know, dark subject matter enough that we would get an R rating, would you guys be okay with that? And because DC Comics especially is very, very, very concerned about that. So um, they said, yeah, this one seems like it would be appropriate for it. Um, the, the upcoming Suicide Squad animated movie that we're doing, they looked at that and said, yeah, that feels appropriate as well. Things like, you know, I mean, it's it, typically most Batman movies don't really feel like they need to be R rated, you know, and especially Superman movies, it's like, I don't know, but anybody wants to see an R rated Superman movie? So, um, so it, it really depends on, on the on the individual project, but um, but yeah, it's kind of nice to know that we can go there if we need to without having to pull something back. I think the first thing I was thinking about like Kingdom Come, you know, something like that, trying to tackle something as vast as that. You know, that one's got bigger problems. That one, that one is is the, the biggest problem with doing Kingdom Come would be, um, I, I, I I think the. The biggest appeal to that comic, and no offense to the story, but the biggest appeal is the fact that it was drawn by Alex Ross in his prime, and there's no way to mimic that style in animation. There just isn't. There isn't. So without like you know you know hundreds of millions of dollars with a really top-notch CG. So uh, for that reason alone, I don't think we're going to be touching that one. But you know that could change someday. But right now, it's not on our horizon. I would love to see Hush done. I don't know if that's on the radar at all, but I think that would be a good one. That would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> he says cryptically. You know, talking about the rating and everything, but you say that it's nice to be able to have that barrier lifted, so if you, the story needs to go there, you can go there. Yeah. Um, but the flip side of that is that when the barrier was down, I'm sure that there were those creative challenges Absolutely. to avoid the R rating. And is there a yes. part of you that misses that challenge to be like, well, it was, now it's just too easy to just, okay, let's just push it. Yes. Um, uh, it, it's not even so much for the, just the R rating, but even the PG-13 rating. Because the PG-13 rating still allows us to get away with things that we never, ever would have gotten away with on, on, on in ch children's television. So we do have a tendency to... Um, kind of just willy-nilly plot things along those lines because we know it's a PG-13 movie. We can we can kill dozens of people if we need to. Um, but recently, we were plotting out a, a future film which hasn't been announced yet, so I can't talk about it too much. But um, there was a situation that was very much like that where I was looking at it and I thought, you know what? We're, we're killing all these dozens of people needlessly. It doesn't, it's not furthering the storyline. It's going to be difficult to animate. Yada, yada, yada. I had all kinds of reasons of not to do it. And I thought... Let's think. Let's step, take, take a step back. Think if we were going to do this for a TV show, how would we have done it with a children's, you know, children's television rating? And it'll still be effective. It'll still be exciting. But we don't have to, you know, do. We don't have to kill dozens and dozens of people. So, um, so yes. So it does come up occasionally. Um, in terms of this movie in particular, even though it's R-rated, I will say this: anybody going there expecting it to be a, a really super gory slash fest is they're going to be disappointed. It's not. I mean, it's. Um, it's dark. There's there's a couple murders in it that one of them in particular is pretty horrible to look at and to watch, but it's not um, it's not like torture porn. It's not like like a Saw movie or you know Dario Argento movie. So, but it's it's definitely you know the R rating I think is appropriate to it. But anyhow. with the DC Entertainment streaming service coming on the horizon, yeah, um, I assume you guys have some interesting projects planned. I've heard rumors about Harley Quinn. Animated series. I've heard some other rumors about mm -hmm. things, but are you excited about that, or anything particular that on the horizon that you can um, tell us? I can't talk. To, I can't much? can't tell you anything. <laughs> I can't I can't say anything. No, my lips are sealed. It's all call, all in flux at the moment. So, is there a you, you, you've told so many Batman stories, like you said. You've mm -hmm. been involved in so many stories. Is there a story um, that you still want to tell that you haven't? Um, Even if it hasn't been written, it doesn't have to be based on something. Is there a, is there a story rattling around your head that hasn't been told? Yeah, you? yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a couple. Yeah. yeah. 
but I can't tell you what's happening. <laughs> well, 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 let's go this way. Then. Let's go this way then. Is there a member of the Bat family that you think, okay, this character deserves their own story? I'd really like to do something with this specific character. Um. Yes. I mean, I. I do wish that we would kind of. Uh, get a little bit more into the deep bench of the Batman characters, and we tend to use Batman and Robin and Nightwing a lot. Um, I really like the Batgirl character a lot. I like I like the Bat, um, Batwoman character a lot. Um, I know she's been in, in a couple of the movies that, that my um, my friend James Tucker has, has directed, but I haven't done anything with her yet. But, um, but I like those characters a lot. I, I think it'd be cool to do something with them. Um, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> Batmite? Uh, Batmite, yeah, yeah. R rated Batmite. Bat there we go. Series. Um, now that Rebirth is, like, kind of came onto the horizon, it's been amazing for the comic. Mm. Y'all ever think about going that route as far as the animated films as well? Kind of like that shift that you did with after, I guess I would say, yeah, after Flashpoint, then it shifted to 52. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, do you think you'll ever go to, like, Rebirth? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the... the the, the post-52 movies are all done by my, my friend James Tucker. I'm not actually involved with any of those, so I can't speak for him. Um, but, uh, you know, here's the thing. is, is if, if I read a Rebirth comic and it's got a good idea in it, I'll be happy to steal it. So, you know, I mean, that's really all that it comes down to. It's like, I, I won't be basing movies on stuff in Rebirth just because it's in Rebirth and that's the thing that's current right now. But if it's a good idea, hell yeah, I'll steal it, sure. So, and finally, our other familiar voice, we've got the screenwriter, Jim Krieg. I'm Jim Krieg. I'm the screenwriter. And uh, you are my first interview for this movie. So I'll be working on all the kinks with you. <laughs> and I'll trust you to like, kind of change my words to make me look a little bit smarter and maybe a little younger and better looking. <laughs> I don't know you for a moment because I saw you in New York for this movie. So don't. <laughs> we didn't show, oh, we showed clips. We showed a clip. But there was a media room. That's right. That's right. I, I totally forgot that. I blacked it out. So we're making you feel better before it even starts. Yeah. <laughs> so really. I think my work here is done. This is there a you good, go. You're done. good way to go. <laughs> so that day I met Shatner. Shatner yes. was there for. Uh, um, for Two-Face. Uh, for Two -Face. Yeah. And uh, I won't tell you the whole story, but it's so in the green room, I ended up on the couch, like, next to him, and he's texting. And, and like, <laughs> I, I suddenly got tenser and tenser, because I've been waiting to sit on a couch with William Shatner for 50 years, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know what to say until finally, like, I couldn't take it anymore. He wasn't aware that I was on the couch until I started, was like, I cannot share this couch with you. This is your couch. You keep the couch, William Shatner. And, and walked away. And no, I, I took a, I took another couch. It's thankfully someone actually has a picture of that conversation, uh, which is hilarious. fantastically awesome. embarrassing. Because awesome. really, what I was hoping for is this picture, you know, and that was never going to happen. Oh wow! So this specific story, the fact that this is rated R, you can kind of like let yourself go in exploration of how you want to do this narrative. Um, were you always enticed by this story, or yeah. what was your influence behind trying to take on this project? Um, well, I've always been a Sherlock Holmes fan. My, my dad uh, raised me reading these Sherlock Holmes stories, and, and I've read them to my kids. And, um, um, and Batman is sort of like the literary descendant of Sherlock Holmes in a way. And uh, so I, I think there was something about this that really called out to me. And it, we've all read that. Um, thank you very much. Uh, We've all read that graphic novel, and I think what's what's really what draws you in about it is that that look. You know, you really feel, that mood and that tone and that feeling. Really, you can step into the into that world, and uh, it's but it's very short. And this felt like a great opportunity to expand all the ideas that uh, that Brian and Mike explored in that book. And it's one that people always ask for, and so I just it fell into my lap. It was like a real a real plum, you know. So it was it was a yes, it was it's a dream come true, really. How intimidating is that, as a, as a writer, to step into uh, um, words that people already know so well and connect with? Um, because I'm a huge egotist. Uh, it, it, I, actually, that's not the reason. It's, it, I think it's intimidating in that I really want to do a good job. Uh, I think 
at Warner Brothers Animation, how they take some of that fear away is by making the deadline so short that you really don't have the time to panic. You just have the time to get it done. And then once it's done and they're, they, you've recorded, then you look back and panic. I'm panicking now. <laughs> It's funny, when I talked to you in San Diego, you were talking about how you do a lot of comedy, and you say, and you actually said to me, you said, I don't want anybody to think I can't do serious stuff, and yeah. this is about as serious as it gets, so what's it like for you to kind of step out and do something a little bit different for you? Um, it's, there's a lot of smug satisfaction in it. I, I really do enjoy comedy, but I think that there's an element of comedy that's just being clever and being witty, and I think that, that everybody in this in this piece has a point of view and, and says sharp things in their voice. And so that's a, a kind of a kid cousin to comedy, which I hope is good dialogue. You'll have to tell me when you eviscerate it in, the, in your columns after you see it. Uh, but um, uh, I did do one, I, I adapted Flashpoint before, and that one is super unfunny. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I, I, I read it and, and I had to think, can I do this? And then I thought, well, it's it's Grand Guignol. It's it's an absurd amount of blood and and death and destruction, and which is kind of another cousin of comedy. It's it's taking an idea and pushing it all the way. And and I think this is kind of another version of that. All right, I'm doing great. <laughs> Off to a good start. <laughs> Where do you? I mean, for so many people writing. Batman or writing Superman or one of these, these these marquee characters that's sort of like the pinnacle of a career. Like, I've made it. I'm writing this character. Like, where do you go from there? I mean, I mean this is not the end of your career, but it's, it's, sort of, it's like, you don't want to think that, like, this is it. Everything else is downhill. But, like, sort of like, how do you look forward to what's next and think, like, well, it's not Batman? Um, no, I don't think, I don't feel that way at all. I, I actually feel, I, I think for a lot of creative people, it's creating your own characters and creating your own world, and I, which I, of course, still hope to do, but I enjoy these characters so much that I like doing it. And um, I think the difficult thing about Batman is people know Batman so well that if you very, everybody has a slightly, none of you picture Batman exactly the same in your head, and I'm going to change him a little bit from what you're expecting, and you're going to be mad at me about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, but I can only write my Batman, you know, and, and he'll change from from piece to piece because there's a different tone in each of these pieces. So I think the joy in in recreating him for the, the the pieces that those small adaptations and still keeping him the same character at his core. Uh, but on the other hand, like doing smaller DC uh, characters or even doing Scooby Doo or the other Warner Brothers uh, properties people have less expectation on it. So if you change it more, you know, only the fans of the Atom are gonna get upset. And they'll be upset, but there are fewer of them. So you're creating the Atom for for that, you know, for that generation. So it's kind of a win-win. I like both. So who is the Batman in your head? When you close your eyes, who do you see? Well, I always hear Kevin Conroy, but... Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but our uh, but our Bruce Greenwood is unbelievable. They all have fantastic. Oh, I got, I gotta go. I'm yeah, getting tapped on the shoulder. <laughs> you know, this, this is just like speed dating. <laughs> Thank you too much. All right, so those were some fantastic interviews. And then you mentioned after you got to screen the movie, and I'm assuming in your write up about it, you you gave your entire reaction. I gave I gave my reaction to the movie. Um, I did not spoil it though, so if you're worried okay. about spoilers and you and you can go read my article, it's fine. Um, even if you've read the book, you you will still be spoiled if you read an article that includes spoilers because um, they have changed the story enough that they've changed the ending and so they've changed the identity of who Jack the Ripper is. Okay, so if you're gonna do a tomato meter, where would you put? <laughs> This movie. Oh gosh, on a scale of one to ten, I mean, you'd have to tell me what what was a one and what was a ten. Tomato meter, like Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just joking. I would give it a what is it? A green tomato. It's fresh. You know, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good. I would say somewhere maybe like six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Okay. I mean, it was it That's was good. solid. It was a it was a really good movie, um, and it was it. It successfully held the suspense, and when the twist at the end came, I didn't really see it coming. 
Well, that's great. I mean, you can't get it can't. I mean, how could much better could it be than that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, really, when it comes down, <laughs> when it comes down to it, as long as it entertains. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If this is your first time, well, you're in for a treat. We have so many episodes you can go back and listen to no matter what your thing is. If your thing is comics, scientists, astronauts star trek actors <laughs> we have it all <laughs> we really do it and it seems funny to say that like we have you know, library of congress librarian <laughs> like we've literally we even have the guy from blues clues right <laughs> like i mean we have it all guys go back and check out our back catalog i used to make i'd have to say that ironically and make fun that we didn't have that but yeah now we actually can say it. We do. We've got a pretty deep back catalog now. Yes. <laughs> so go check that out. Hit subscribe. You Give a few downloads and then get in touch with us. Let us know. Maybe there's someone you want to hear. Maybe, you know, Jamie reaches out routinely to people. So, you know, all the people can say is no, right? That all <laughs> so they let can, us know. All they can do is say no. And, uh, yeah, please let us know what you think. If you want to see anybody, leave us a review, please. Everybody says yes. this, and and I don't know how many people actually do it, but iTunes reviews or wherever you listen to yep. us reviews actually do help. They help with whatever yes. mystical algorithm controls how other people find us. So if the well, more reviews, yeah. the better. What I think what it does is it pushes you up into the suggested, yeah. Like when when iTunes is suggesting podcasts, and that would be amazing because the bigger the I don't want to be like, well, the bigger we get, but you know, the more uh, people that are downloading this, the easier it is for us to get guests that you can listen to. That's just the nature of what we do, right? That's right. So make sure you leave that iTunes review five stars. If it's anything below five, <laughs> give me a message and we'll talk about why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you next time. I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. And I'm Jamie at The Roarvots. <laughs> and have a great day. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.